I invite you now to turn to the scriptures to Luke chapter 11, verses 38 through 42. Our scripture reading is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. At our home church, we're doing a mini-series on the various spiritual disciplines that we see in God's Word. And a couple weeks ago, we considered this particular discipline of Sabbath, our resting in Christ. We see that here in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. May God now add his blessing to the reading, to the preaching of his holy word. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And as she went up to him and and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Indeed, may God bless now the preaching of his word to our hearts. Well, beloved, we live in a busy and a fast-paced culture. You know, ours is the world of the high-speed internet, uh, 24-hour news, endless streaming services where we can watch TV shows, sports, and movies. Uh, We're a people as well in Southern California who are always on the go. Uh, We go to school, we go to music lessons, we go to swim practice, uh, we go to various sports events, we go to birthday parties, we go to church meetings and all the rest. And it's hard to catch our breath sometimes as God's people. Moreover, the world around us rarely tells us to slow down. Instead, we are told to work more, to produce more, to achieve more, and to make more money. The famous Bill Gates was once asked why he didn't believe in God, and part of his answer was this. Just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on Sunday morning. One of the words that God wants to mark our lives is the word pause. Why do we need to press pause on all of our ordinary labors? Not only because we need that rest physically as human beings, but we need to press pause so that our souls can find rest ultimately in Jesus Christ. And in our text this morning, we see Jesus teaching us about the importance of pressing pause to sit and to listen to his word. This spiritual practice of resting in Christ, our Sabbath, is what we want to think about this morning from God's word. And our three points that will help structure this text as we hear it proclaimed is this. First, we see Martha's complaint. Second, we see Jesus' answer. And finally, we see our response. So first, in verses 38 through 41, we see Martha's complaint. Well, here in our text, Jesus enters a village and he encounters Martha. And who was this woman, Martha? Well, she had a sister named Mary, as we're told, and also from other parts of the Bible. She also had a brother named Lazarus. 
and we learn that she was a strong believer in God. We see that in other gospel accounts, her understanding of God's word and her belief in the scriptures. And here she is inviting Jesus into her home. This is a beautiful act of hospitality. Uh, we don't know if all of the disciples came with Jesus into her house or if it was just Jesus, but either way, it's a very loving and a very sacrificial thing to do. If you look at the text right before our text, you see that Jesus has just taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. And there we learn that true love for other people is shown in our sacrificial love. In that parable, the Good Samaritan takes care of a needy person at a great cost to himself. And here we see Martha sacrificially caring for the Lord Jesus by welcoming him into her home. Christian service is a beautiful and important Christian virtue. God is glorified when we use our time and our talents and our treasures for his glory. In the Christian life, God doesn't want us to sit on our hands and do nothing, but he wants us to actively engage in the work that he has called us to. And here Martha is actively engaged in being a supreme hostess for the most important man who has ever come to her house you've ever hosted someone important in your own house, right, maybe a boss or government official or someone important, you know what it's like to want to be hospitable. Maybe you do extra things to make things nice. You take out the really fine china, you polish all of the silverware or the wine glasses, maybe you iron the tablecloth. You want to be a good host and that's not a bad thing. At some point though, we're told that Martha sees that Mary is not helping out and she gets frustrated. She's probably thinking to herself as she's doing all this work, what is this slacker Mary doing? No one likes a slacker in the house, right? When you're trying to clean things up, you're picking up toys, you're doing dishes, organizing things around the house. How do you feel when you're doing all the work and you look over and you see your children or your spouse just sitting on the couch, not doing anything, right? Well, that is what is going on here. But not only that, Mary is doing something utterly radical. Not only is she not helping out, but she is assuming the posture of a disciple as she sits at the feet of Jesus. In Acts 22, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says he was instructed at the feet of Gamaliel. And this means that he was his student or his disciple. Well, here Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, which should surprise us. Women did not sit at the feet of rabbis in Jesus' day. Women didn't receive higher education in Jesus' day. But here the Lord Jesus welcomes Mary to sit at his feet and to receive his word. To sit at Jesus' feet means that Mary recognizes Christ's authority. She wants to listen to Jesus. She wants to drink in his teaching. She says with the prophet Samuel of old, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But while Mary is listening to Jesus along with the others, Martha is frustrated. And she publicly confronts Jesus and tells him what to do in front of everyone. Think about how frustrated she must have been to say these words to Jesus in front of everyone as he's teaching. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Again, we could sympathize with her frustration. That phrase, do you not care, 
was uttered by the disciples in Mark chapter 4 when a storm arose upon the sea and they were trying to stay alive in the storm and Jesus was sleeping. And they wake Jesus up and they say, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? This question, do you not care, is the question of a disciple who is overwhelmed. And whether we are male or female, we can sympathize with Martha's complaint. We can feel overwhelmed at times in our duties, in our own homes, or at work, or at school, or even in the church. It's often said that 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. And those who are laboring faithfully and, and working hard could sometimes wonder, God, do you see? And God, do you care? And here, beloved, we see the Lord's love for his overwhelmed disciples. Our text tells us that Martha was distracted with what? Much serving. Literally, she was being pulled in every direction, running around just trying to get things done, just like us. It's necessary to get things done, right? But Jesus teaches us here what is most necessary above all is to receive his word when he comes to us. And that's what we see here in our second point that we want to spend some more time on, Jesus' answer in verse 41. We see Martha's complaint, and now we see Jesus' answer in verse 41. The love of Jesus for this overwhelmed and overburdened disciple is found in those opening words, Martha, Martha. It's not very often in the Bible that God repeats someone's name a little over 10 times. But when God does this, often it's at a key event in their life. Genesis 22, when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his own son Isaac at Mount Moriah, you remember, the angel of the Lord appeared from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. This greatest test of all, Abraham demonstrated that he was truly a man of faith by God's grace, believing that God was able even to raise his son from the dead. In Acts 9, verse 4, you remember how the risen Christ revealed himself to Saul when he was persecuting the church. And he said to him on the road of Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Again, this was a key event in his life, forever changing him. Paul was not only converted by God's sovereign grace, but he was set apart to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he was greatly used by our Lord. And here Jesus engages this overwhelmed disciple and says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. See, Jesus is teaching Martha that there is a time to serve and there is a time to be served by him. There is a time to labor for Jesus and there is a time to listen to Jesus. As one commentator put it, the one who appears lazy is engaged in the highest activity and the one who is busy is spiritually lacking. See, at this time, Jesus came to Martha's house not primarily to be served by her, but to serve her in this world, his life-giving word, which is food for her soul. 
but her anxieties and her worries and her troubles are keeping her from seeing this deep need of her soul. Here Jesus highlights a word that all of us can relate to, anxiety or worry. Anxiety is a word that highlights the restlessness that we feel inside, the unease in our hearts, right? The troubles of life add up quickly and our attention can be so fixated simply on those things and we could find in our souls unrest and anxiety and worry begin to bubble out of us. We can worry about the future and how we'll provide for our families. We can worry about our reputation, our grades, our children, our image, our job, our finances, our health, and the list goes on. Beloved, it is okay to care about all of these things and to have proper concern for them, but worry or anxiety comes up in us when we give too much weight to those things that we cannot control. Commentator Matthew Henry says, inordinate care or trouble about many things in this world is a common fault among Christ's disciples. Indeed, when Jesus gave the parable of the soils in Luke chapter 8, he said the seed that was sown among the thorns did not produce good fruit in part because it was choked out by the cares of the world. And this is what we see Jesus lovingly calling out in Martha. She is inordinately concerned and troubled by many things, even good things. And she is not seeing the deep need of her soul. And so we hear Jesus calling Martha to sit at his feet, not simply to perform another task, but to receive grace to help her in her time of need. When Jesus comes to serve us his word, the one thing that is necessary above all is to listen to him. Some have understood this phrase, the one thing necessary, uh, as a reference to the food that Martha was preparing. They say that Jesus is simply saying, Martha, you're trying to be too extravagant and preparing many different things, but only one dish is necessary. And I don't think that is exactly the way to go here. Rather, we see Jesus using that phrase, good portion, as a term, which is a term for food, as an analogy for his own teaching, which is the true food for our souls. And what is necessary, the one thing necessary, is to listen to Jesus when he brings us his life-giving word. Just one chapter earlier in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Father said from heaven, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, it's not that serving Jesus is bad or that caring for the needs of others was wrong, but God wants communion with his people. If a spouse works hard all day to provide for their family but never takes time to enjoy spending time with them, we would say there is something wrong. Personal connection and quality time is important. And this is in part what God wants from us. Serving the Lord Jesus is a blessed task, but when he comes to bring us his word, sitting at his feet and enjoying communion and rest and refreshment in Christ's presence is what he calls us to. 
And Mary chose the good and better portion, and it would not be taken away from her, Jesus said. We're reminded here, beloved, that this call to sit at the feet of Jesus is for all Christians. It's for children, it's for adults, it's for the men and for the women. We see that especially in our text for the women of the church, that God would have you see in this text the love that Jesus has for you. He delights in you not so much, first and foremost, what you could produce for his kingdom, but God delights in you first and foremost because he calls you a disciple of Jesus who is welcome to sit at his feet. Mary's position before Jesus' feet reminds us of our highest calling in this world. Right? The culture says that you are identified by your output. You're identified by your job title, that your worth is in your degrees or your achievements or how much money you have in your bank account right now. But God says your worth is rooted in Christ. And your identity is first and foremost this, you are a beloved disciple of Jesus who gets to sit at his feet. Beloved, before you're a mom or a dad, an employee or a boss, a pastor or an elder or a deacon, you are first and foremost a disciple of Jesus. The 19th century theologian William Temple put it like this, my worth is what I am worth to God. And that is a marvelous great deal for Christ died for me. Your worth is not found in your performance, your duties in the home, your labors in the workplace, or even your sacrificial service in the church. But your worth is firmly rooted in the love of the Savior who shed his blood of infinite worth for you. What should our response be to this? What should our response be? This is our third and final point. We see Martha's complaint, Jesus' answer, and our response. Well, first, beloved, Christ again invites us to sit at his feet. Even Jesus, when he was a small boy, took time to learn the scriptures in the temple. We see in Acts chapter 2, one of the things that marked the devotion of the early church was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Regularly they came and learned from the word of God. Let me highlight three responses that I believe flow from the heart of this text. Concerning our response first, make the Lord's Day your highest priority. We are called as Christians to pattern God in our work and in our rest. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. You see, the Sabbath rhythm is not first and foremost rooted in the law, but it goes all the way back to creation, meaning that God intended from the beginning that we would imitate him as image bearers in our work and in our rest. We can't outdo God's good design. We try to push ourselves too hard with work or with activities. Sooner or later, even our bodies will begin to manifest that stress. I came across a quote last week from a therapist who said, if you don't schedule a break, your body will take one for you, and it probably won't be at a convenient time. Again, beloved, we can't outdo God's good design for work and rest, and he made the Sabbath day to be a blessing to mankind. 
And so every Lord's Day, dear Christian, God invites you to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear his word, which is true food for your soul in the morning and in the evening. Let us never be too busy for the Lord Jesus that we neglect the day that he has given for our refreshment. Again, there might be things today or on Sundays that you want to just get done, right? But Jesus tells you what he told Martha. The one thing that is necessary, the one thing that is necessary is communion with him. And so make the Lord's day your highest priority. Second, sit at the feet of Jesus throughout the week as a family. And it's easy to allow the busyness of our culture to creep into our homes and to dominate the rhythm of our lives. We find ourselves busy, right, with sports and extracurricular activities and screen time and all the rest, and those are not all inherently bad things. But what do the rhythms of our household teach our children and others about what our highest priorities are, about what we value? Christian parents have a responsibility before God to be raising their children in his ways, and we take vows to that end even at the baptism of our children. And this means we need to take time to sit at the feet of Jesus throughout the week to listen to his word individually and as families. This spiritual practice of listening to Jesus throughout the week will help flavor and shape our lives. The trials and the struggles will all still be there. The pressure will still be there. But you will find as you sit at Jesus' feet that he gives you grace to help you in your time of need. 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. When we call upon God in the busyness of life, we confess that the breakneck pace of this culture doesn't define us, but God does. And yes, there may be things that need to get done on our to-do list, but we confess that one thing is necessary above all, and that is communion with Jesus Christ. Third, take comfort, beloved. Take comfort in Jesus as your Sabbath rest. I love this part of Heidelberg Catechism 103. It says, every day of my life, every day of my life, I rest from my evil ways, Let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. This morning, if you are searching for true rest for your souls, it can only be found in Jesus. The good news of the Bible is this, that Jesus finished the work of salvation to bring us eternal rest. He said in John 17, just before he went to the cross, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. And after he suffered for our sins at the cross of Calvary, he declared with victory, it is finished. And what was finished when Jesus made that declaration? Our complete salvation. Jesus earned eternal rest for our souls. And that's why he could say those beautiful words to us this morning. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus has earned true rest for our soul this morning by his perfect life, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection from the dead. And when we repent from our sins, ceasing from our evil ways, 
and we trust in Jesus, we experience true and lasting rest for our souls. If you're here this morning and you have not yet done that, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. It is the day to cease from your restless ways, from your evil ways, to ask God to work in you by his Holy Spirit to save your soul and to grant you true rest that you are searching for. As we sing in one of our songs in the Trinity Psalter hymnal, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Beloved, the Lord has made with us a weekly appointment to sit at the feet of Jesus. Let us never be too busy for the one who loved us and gave his life for us, but let us press pause on all of our ordinary labors that we might experience communion with our blessed Savior. And may we know that when we come to Jesus, this good portion for our souls will never be taken away. Not now and not for eternity. And so may we find refreshment, joy, and grace to help us in our time of need as we make it a practice to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Need our Lord in heaven, we say with the psalmist, help us to be still and to know that you are God. Teach us what it means to rest in Christ and to enjoy the sweetness of his gospel. Enable us by the power of your Holy Spirit to press pause on our ordinary labors, that we might come and worship you. And even when we come into your presence, Lord, help us to be free from the distractions and cares and anxieties and worries of this world. Let our minds, Lord, be renewed by your grace and be focused on you and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Teach us what it means, O Lord, day by day, to sit at his feet, to receive that good portion for our souls. And may we be strengthened by your grace to then go forth to serve one another with joy and gratitude because of what you have done for us. Lord, hear the prayers of your people this morning, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.